Back with rural Queensland today for this uh, Thursday morning, the 29th of June. Andrew, what's uh, filling in for Dobbo uh, for the rest of the weekend next week as well after uh, he has a well-earned break? Now, a very topical story that relates to a lot of our small uh, community towns across Western Queensland. Between 2017 and 2022, more than 1,600 bank closures have happened across the country, with official figures revealing 50, a 53% decline in ATMs in the uh, five years to June 2020 as well. This helped spark a federal Treasury's 2021-22 Regional Banking Task Force, which recommended better transparency and communication when bank branches close and improve customer service when this occurs. And look, we know in a lot of our small communities, having four branches in a small town is certainly not viable. And when you look at the statistics, um, which I saw from National Bank Closure in Longridge, it was a natural progression. But in response, the Australian Banking Association has developed a new branch closure support protocol, which is very important, that implements uh, principles. And to talk about these, uh, Australian Banking Association CEO Anna Bly joins me this morning. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, going very well. And uh, as I alluded to, lots of small towns. I particularly talk about Longreach here where we've lost ANZ and NAB in probably the past six or seven years. I, I think with a lot of the banking taken from the branch where you might apply for loans via the net or your merchant services via the net as well, um, the use for and people, the foot traffic through the door has declined and, and you understand why they may shut. But it it sometimes comes without any community consultation and the doors just close. Uh, look, this is a very big transition that the whole country is going through. As you said, 1,600 branches since 2017. Not all of those by any means are in regional Australia or even small towns. In fact, two-thirds of those closures were in major cities um, and large regional towns or large regional centres like places like Townsville mm. um, or Wollongong, for example. So it is a big transition. Many people have very happily jumped into the virtual world and many of them won't be able to remember the last time they went to a branch. But we all know that there are still many people for whom face-to-face banking is really important. And uh, that's why this new protocol, I think, is going to make, hopefully for some people, this transition easier. It means um, banks are committing to... uh, more notice to the community um, when a branch is closing, more um, notification to some of the key people in town, the mayor, the local MP, so that people know when it's happening, why it's happening. Publication of data about you know, branch usage so that people can see why the branch is closing. But I think the most important thing, it's a commitment to work with those customers who still want Um, to be doing their banking face-to-face and help them make the transition, Um, for example, to banking at the post office. Banks pay Australia Post to keep banking services in town, Um, basic banking services. There may not be a branch, but you can still withdraw, deposit, cash a cheque, transfer money uh, because Australian banks pay Australia Post uh, to keep those services where people want a face-to-face experience. And Anna, what's your data showing you I'm sure there's plenty of studies going on in the background, what the next sort of six to ten years looks like with with further closures in in sort of regional Australia. Look, it's a very hard thing trying to predict what might 
what banking might look like in five or ten years' time. If you think back five years ago, um, there was no such thing as, as an Apple wallet. Yep. Um, we now have you know, millions of Australians paying for their groceries with their mobile phone. So who knows what it's going to look like in five years' time. But I do think it's important um, that banks to understand that our branch network is still a very big network. There's 4,500 branches out there. It's um, the second highest density per um, head of population of bank branches in um, the OECD. So it's not about to disappear, um, but it is going to keep looking very different. I think we might see, you know, branches, look, you know, turn into smaller. Um, you know, what I see in, in um, big cities is some of the big branches, um, you know, in the high street close down, but there's a smaller um, facility then opens in one of the major shopping centres where there's a lot more people doing their shopping. So. We are going to keep seeing some of that. Um, you know, I, I do think more and more uh, the virtual banking space is going to be one where more and more Australians are going to be very comfortable. Um, it's 24 hours a day. They can do it in the comfort of their lounge room. You know, they can transfer money at any time of day. Uh, they can check their account when they want to. Mm. I don't think we're going... We're not going to see any reversal of that trend. It accelerated during covid and when people who picked up digital banking during COVID, all the data shows they haven't gone back to face-to-face. And having these uh, new protocols endorsed by more than 20 banks, including the big four, uh, Bank of Queensland and the Bendigo Bank is certainly a step in the right direction. But when we talk about banking at the moment, Anna, I think uh, most people are more concerned about the interest rates, uh, which are trickling up and up and up, and uh, lots of people on the ropes. Of, of course, um, that's being assisted with with the high inflation as well um things uh, are looking tough for the back end of 2023 that's for sure uh, there's no doubt about it that there are many australians now who uh, are really finding it very tough um it's an interesting um it's an interesting part of australian culture that people take people care deeply about home ownership mm. and those people who have a mortgage what they'll do generally is they'll pay their mortgage first and then they'll tighten their belt on everything else. And that you can only do that up to a certain point. And then things can just, you know, get, get too tight. Uh, I'm very, uh, it's very important, though, for people to understand that banks have very practical ways of helping people who get into serious financial difficulty. Um, you know, they work with, with families and individuals and businesses all the time. Even in the best of economic circumstances, people can have you know, catastrophic health diagnosis, they can have a marriage breakdown, something that, or they lose their job, something that puts them, takes them very quickly from financial well-being to financial hardship. And all of those tools are there right now um, to help people who might be finding it very difficult in a high interest rate environment. Very basic things, they can restructure your loan, they can defer your payments for a period of time. Uh, they can put you on an interest-only arrangement for a temporary period till interest rates come um, down again. So I can just urge people, if you are finding it tough, um, contact your bank. Uh, there are many ways that they can help get you through. What we hope is um, a, a not-too-prolonged period of high interest rates. And it's a great point, Anna, too, because I think banks as a whole um, through that COVID pandemic and being a business owner myself through that time were very, very understanding. And I think that understanding, as you said, it has carried on. 
Well, I think it'd be fair to say that, that banks learned a lot during mm. COVID. Um, as I said, they've always been able to help individuals and families and people might lose their jobs or something like that. What they learned in COVID is that they can do this at scale. You know, they deferred the payments on a million loans yep. and they learned that even at that scale, when we had, you know, the economy in a terrible circumstance with COVID, um, if they give people enough um, forbearance, overwhelmingly uh, people got back into payments they might have had to work with those people for 18 months, two years, two and a half years, but overwhelmingly, like 99 point something percent of those people um, came back into full payments as soon as they could and they're, they're back with, a, you know, their credit rating is fine, they're paying off their home, they've, they've kept the equity in that asset uh, and, or they've got their businesses, you know, opened its doors and back into paying their loan um, in full. So uh, I think banks learned a lot. And they are certainly ready to use all those lessons. And this is one of those circumstances where the interest, the commercial interest of the bank and the interest of the customer is perfectly aligned. Banks lose money if they have to foreclose on a loan. It's not in their interest. So if they can do everything to make sure that, you know, some, losing your property is an option of absolute last resort and to work with people to get them through that patch of difficulty then it's good for the customer and good for the bank. Anna Bly, the CEO of the Australian Banking Association, thanks for your time uh, on Rural Queensland today. Thank you. Have a great day. Heard across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network.